What's up, everyone? I'm Paul Clark, Sup Paul. Welcome back to the Sup Paul podcast. In this episode, we're meeting businessman and farmer James Martin. He's known for his wine in a cup, Copa de Vino, but he also has the Oregon Estate Vineyard and the Sunshine Mill Winery. During the Oregon coronavirus quarantine, businesses are shut for him. So in this episode, we're talking about how he's wading through the quarantine bureaucracy, both so that his business model can pivot to save the environment and save his family's farm and all the employees that work for him. I'm excited. Let's do this. James Martin, farmer, businessman, entrepreneur, I met you last year when I was doing a content creation job for a clothing company based out of Los Angeles, scouting the Dalles, and we found the Sunshine Mills Winery. What a beautiful building that you remodeled. We wanted to shoot here, and since then, we've... We haven't been able, haven't been able to get rid of you. you know, so. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> you keep, keep showing up. <laughs> You're known for your wine in a cup, Copa de Vino. This Sunshine Mill winery, 130-year-old flour mill that you remodeled, and also your Oregon Mountain Vineyard. Yes. All moving along in, in a very admirable way. You're, you're, you're building your family. You're building your businesses. Uh, you reached out to me asking to do a little documentation on a business pivot that you're doing looking at saving the, the planet through a business model, a reusable business model. Before we talk about eternity, though, let's talk about modern times, the coronavirus quarantine. Talk to me about the last week of your life. Probably like everyone, such a range of emotions because um, when you're the, the CEO of a business and you have... 60 employees with all the businesses that I have, <clears throat> it's, it's a really heavy responsibility. Um, you want to protect the business. That's what you do every day. It's what uh, is just in your nature in the position that you're in. And then at the same time, we, we've always seen our business as a, as a family business anyway. It's family-based, um, and therefore all our employees to us are our family members too. So what I want my family members working side by side with other people who live in other homes at this point absolutely not so um so laying everyone off was was an easy decision in oregon we, we jumped on it early as a state i felt like that was the smart play um and it's proving out to be that as well um it's a more brave thing to do uh the, the things that other states are doing i think are um uh, I think they think that they're being more brave, but what they're doing is they're prioritizing business over the top of uh, the health of people, and they don't realize that businesses can't exist without those people. And, and your businesses take place in the Dalles, Oregon, beautiful little town in central Oregon on the Columbia River Gorge. You have your Copa bottling, you have your human resources, you have your accounting. How many staff do you have at the 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 headquarters here in the Dallas? We have uh, 38 employees total. We have some spread across the country. So uh, during this virus time, we all get onto a, a, a Teams video call 
once a day, just checking in with everyone, making sure everyone mentally is, is still uh, you know, engaged with the company, but also giving them more purpose too, because we all have people who've built this company. It's been their life just like it has been for myself. So uh, giving everyone an, just an opportunity, uh, for example, yesterday we, we had a little fun and had hat day and had you know crazy hats to wear and kind of a contest for that. Um, but mainly trying to force everyone to get onto the video and show themselves too, because a lot of people after a while, you're just kind of, well, I just want to disappear, right? We all want to just hold ourselves up, do our part and not get out. But at the same time, emotionally, we need engagement with each other right now. Emotionally, we're all battling something together and, and everyone needs to be able to feel that and feel empowered together. Um, so uh, I think, for me, it's been a challenge as a leader to try to understand uh, what's my role now, because my role's always been this, I'm driving this, I'm driving sales, I'm driving production, I'm driving everyone to try to stay you know, in line together, pull together. And now what I'm trying to do is, is um, again, stay with what we are as a company. There's, there's other things to value. Um, people are better and more productive employees when their lives are um, enriched by family, enriched by uh, great relationships, um, enriched by uh, a healthy world, enriched by a good environment. And uh, so trying to keep, keep those same important principles um, just as high a priority as just the money. Right now, I think we've, we've made a decision as a, as a country and a culture, it was kind of a decision, I think, how Trump became president was around the idea of our economic president. Here's this guy who's going to drive the economy. We'll sell out a lot of these other values, you know, family values. Yeah, where he's had how many wives and how many families. And I mean, where is he? Is this a family? Who cares? Right. That's what the country ended up pretty much saying. It was a sellout. Um, and that worked great when we didn't have this type of crisis. Now we're in this type of crisis and we all have to come to the realization that um, these other things, you can't have an economy without these other things. You can't have a, a, a table when one of the legs is missing, it falls over. And um, we keep saying, how do I fix that missing leg, that economy first, right? Instead of how do we fight the, the war that we're fighting? which is against really ourselves, how we organize ourselves, how we keep ourselves from getting sick. We go, oh, well, it was easy in China because they're a country that is, is dominated by uh, this communist party and, and we demonize them, but they have done a much better job of fighting a war. They started out with a virus they had no idea about. We started out with a virus we had some idea about. They had no idea about it. It just came out of nowhere. And it still took a while to react. And it still uh, wasn't as successful as it could have been. But look at our country. We're at half, half a million, a half a million people that are diagnosed. We're hardly still testing. We're only testing if you've got a fever over a certain temperature. We really don't know what's really out there. Um, 
So we're 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 eating the biggest shit sandwich there is, and and um, and it's and yet we continue with the same dogma every day that we've got to fix the economy. Did Congress go together and say, how do I go ahead and create a task force to try to solve and beat this virus? No, they just went after this big. Let's throw a couple trillion dollars out there and fix my stock account and fix yours. And what we really need is is unity. What we really need to do is go to battle and fight this thing. Let's let's talk a little bit about the stimulus plan. You over the last week have applied how many times and what have what have some of the bureaucratic problems you're experiencing well, I, as a business yes. you know your businesses right, are right. shut you need yeah, yeah. assistance the government has promised assistance but they're not making it easy for you. Right. Tell me a little bit about the the process. Well, um, it's quite easy to say we have uh, we have a need for these businesses right away. Uh, again, back to the idea that uh, we're not really fighting the virus more than we're we're uh, we're fighting for our economy, and um, and so with that, the fight for the economy is we throw money at the businesses as quickly as we can, and we have this vehicle to do that, which is the SBA. Which if you've ever tried to do an SBA loan for uh, a business when it's not during these times, you'll know it's one of the most difficult, impossible loans to get done because you've got the banks who are on the hook for the loan and you've got the government and the bureaucratic nature of the government on the hooks for the loan. So when this was rolled out, it was Congress and, and the president all was just saying, oh, we can throw this money out there. Um, and the banks can go ahead and institute this. Well, the banks are still wondering how much of this am I on the hook for? Because we've never done these loans before. And how much is the government going to be on the hook for? And so the idea with the government was, well, just give them the money. Here, just have them fill out this basic form. And the banks are saying, are you going to cover me or are you not going to cover me? And so far, there hasn't been a federal response to tell them for sure. Hey, we'll cover you guys if you're wrong about these things. So the devil gets into the details. So the banks are treating it like any loan. You got to give me all this documentation on this, 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 and this, and this. And with that, at the same time, they don't have the loan officers to be able to manage 5,000 loans all at the same time for a small bank in a small town. We're talking about every small business in this country is applying for this all at the same time. And so a lot of them have tried to temp out, right? They've got temps working on this. Hey, we have a great plan. Um, we've got 90 people all sitting there. They're going to take all these numbers and plug it right into the SBA system. And then someone within their bank goes, well, wait a minute. We don't know. We need to check that document, this document. And these people who are doing this don't know anything about anything about even loans, right? Um, so they're brutally understaffed for this. Um, and uh, so what did I do? I, I applied with four different banks because I have accounts with four different banks. And um, I have two businesses that can get this PPP loan, um, which is uh, supposed to be a, a payroll loan for us to be able to cover payroll for our employees. The money was supposed to be released as quickly as possible. In all cases, every single bank tried to build a portal, tried to create some sort of automated system. They've got each one of these all kinds of problems. And then along the way, the SBA has been changing the program as it's moving forward, answering some questions, changing the program. So uh, this idea that this money was going to become available, we could kick the economy back up, 
it's, it's one more bungled attempt at not focusing on the real problem. The real problem is, is the only way to get the economy going is to create safety. And the only way to create safety is to beat the virus. And the only way to beat the virus is to beat it as quickly as possible now. You, you saw what was, what was coming down the, the pipe. And you knew that you wouldn't be able to do your bottling. You, wouldn't, you knew that you wouldn't be able to maintain the health of your staff in the, in the close proximity that people were both... Uh, uh, the the manufacturing workers as well as the as the administrative workers. So you really you you insisted that people spend time at home. Our business is not life and death. Yeah. You know the idea that I'm going to ask people to come in and work for me and potentially get something from somebody else or give something to somebody else that could be the end of that person. Um, Boy, that decision was really, really easy. It's still just stunning me that all our government leaders in all the different states are treating this very differently from one to another and not thinking about would I want my child standing next to somebody else and working side by side with that person um, and would I want the responsibility of saying they should do that. If you, if you filter it that way, so everyone's someone's child, then it's quite easy to make that decision. Are you seeing examples of good leadership and where? I think the state of Oregon's governor jumped on it way early. And uh, way early was just in time. And that, that was very, very brave. And yet, I think there was no backlash within the state. We already had seen this happening in Washington, and they got to it too late. Uh, but they still went after it hard. And... Um, it's like, I think, again, if this is really a war, do you fight the war with, with slingshots and, 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 and try to throw some rocks at it? Fight it hard, fight it early. And, um, and, uh, you and, know, and fighting means lock everything down. You, you have to, right? What else, is, what else is working? Show me what works. There's only one thing that I've seen. We don't, we don't have any formulas for inoculations against this. We don't have any vaccines. We, we're fighting against something that we know still very little about, but we know one thing. The people that stay separated from each other are not getting it. So fight with the one thing that you have. We have one tool. It's the same tool that ended the plague. It's the same tool that ends any of these things. It's not transmitting to others. You're, it sounds like you're really still strong with the, your idea that this is a health crisis first and treat it like a health crisis. And then the economic parts fall. I mean, as long as the virus is out there, I'm not taking my family to a restaurant. The idea that, well, you know, we're suddenly going to try to get the economy going. I'm not going to risk my family going to a restaurant to get the economy going. I'm not going to make that prioritization that, well, the economy is important. So, honey, let's go out and take that risk. And uh, un until we create uh, safe places for, for everyone uh, to go, uh, then uh, we, won't have, we won't have an economy. So it's this cart before the horse. We, we constantly keep talking about the economy, and what we should be talking about is what we really have to do, which is a really simple thing. Three to four weeks, everyone, 100% compliance. Not 90%, 90% doesn't get us there. 90% is where we're at. We're Americans, no one's gonna tell me what to do. I'll do the 90%. I need to run to the hardware store. I need to get a couple of those bolts 
just to finish this little project here. It's just one trip to the hardware store. You just risk the people at the hardware stores potential lives. You just risk the potential lives of the people in your home. Um, you did all that because you thought I could take that gamble. And so we're continuing to take that gamble. And so our success is, is going to be what we, we have right now. And is this good enough? It's not good enough. There's also a social element that's a part of the health. When you're locked down, when you're unable to know how long this is going to last for, no wondering if you're going to be able to pay your bills in the next couple of months. I mean, the, the social element is also a health crisis. There's no answers because uh, we've chosen how we want to battle this instead of how we need to battle it. So as long as we say, I don't want to fight it the way that it really needs to be done. I want to ignore that because I still want to live in a world where I don't have to do that. I still want to believe that I can make a comparison of what we have going on to other viruses, to other pandemics that have no relationship truly to what we're dealing with here. This is a totally new case. We've never come up with cures for, for coronaviruses, for, for colds, for anything. Why do we think we're suddenly gonna have a cure? Why are we gambling on that? We're gambling on the idea that this goes away in a year, year and a half. It's all optimism. Let's be optimistic about this. Hey, everyone, stay optimistic. Let me tell you a story, okay? Let me tell you about the, this other, the SARS. Let me tell you about this thing right? Therefore, you can feel more comfortable while we still don't win this battle. All I'm asking you, what someone should be doing as our leader of all leaders, our leader of all leaders needs to say, what we need to do is win this thing in the next 30 days. And this is how we're going to do it. And convince everyone that they need to stay home and we need to stay separate and we need to win this battle by not doing 90%, we have to do 100%. We have plenty of resources to fight this with distancing, mm -hmm. but we're not gonna have those resources much longer. We're, even, even the deep pockets of the United States government can only go so deep, especially in the losing battles that we've created so far. You've, you've got a good leadership empowers others to do the right things. We need to empower everyone to take this on uh, in a much more serious way than wishing and hoping and thinking maybe I can, maybe, I mean, when you have governments trying to etch their way along and fake it, you know, fake it until it blows up so big in their face that they finally have to act. Um, that's an example to us all too, how we have to act. The idea that I can't forego for a temporary period of time going out, that I can't forego these things for a temporary period of time uh, and create that example for everyone around me by not doing those things is um, maybe at the level of, of that we are truly some generation of, of selfishness that, uh, that we need to suddenly realize about ourselves. Uh, it's, it's a selfish approach. Um, young kids, Jesus. I mean, my ch children, I have uh, two kids in college. They are invincible at this age. They're males. They're, um, they love women. They love the activity of college, all that trying to be taken away from them. It's impossible for them. The social pressures they have are much 
different than what I have to experience. Um, it's hard to say no, for sure. By eliminating the unknown and saying everyone all in unison, we take these steps away from each other. We all take six steps back. All of us together, all at once, and this will be over in 30 days. It'll never be the same. We'll never be the same. We'll always have breakouts, but we'll have the ability to know how to lock that down and focus it. And that pain is just a small area instead of right now where it's everywhere. Will we know what to do next time? <laughs> I think we're always trying to look for that next predictive, well, geez, yeah, in the future. What about this in the future? Um, I think all of those futures are determined more about what we do right now. Let's now talk about your passion for saving the planet. You realize that plastic waste and carbon emissions are ruining the planet. You've taken it to be both your business model and your personal pursuit to showing leadership and creating something that will both save the planet and be a good business model. You're calling it eternity. You want to talk about what eternity is? Sure. Uh, we came up with a, uh, an old concept, which was the milkman model, um, but we used a, an entirely new way to tech enable that system. So it became much more engaging for the customer, um, much more rewarding for the customer, um, but most importantly, created a, a fantastic carbon footprint reduction in, in waste of packaging. So the milkman uh, model is reusable uh, re bottles. Reusable beverage bottles, yes. Um, our system is, is uh, basically laser IDing a eternity code right into the bottle itself. Um, that eternity code allows a customer to scan it with their phone and from that be rewarded with different opportunities for discounts to repurchase from the brands or opportunities to get a 25 cent return value on, on the package itself. All of these things allowing this package to then have enough value to be returned back into a system that allows the bottle to be refilled, sanitized obviously, refilled, and um, reused back in the market. Most um, of the carbon waste is based in the manufacturing of the bottle. Absolutely. So if you reuse that bottle, you're saving the carbon impact. It, 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 right. it totally makes sense. Yes. And, and the model is uh, one that we had in this country and existed all the way up until the 70s when plastic bottles got cheaper and cheaper and uh, large uh, consumer product companies like Pepsi and Coke shifted their focus over to plastic and um, and with that, uh, glass became very disposable too. So the refilling of, of glass packaging um, went away. So um, you're talking about uh, a difference in the carbon footprint of a brand new bottle versus one that's being reused. It's a phenomenal amount. And if you look at the amount of, of beverage drinks that are drank in every day, we're talking a billion and a half beverage bottles daily are, are consumed and destroyed. Um, and so oftentimes we talk about the waste and we go, oh, well, it's just plastic waste or glass waste. And so we're recycling and isn't recycling great. And we're not considering the invisible waste that's created when a, a bottle is, is made, the CO2 that is released into the atmosphere that bounces around 
the, uh, the photons of, of energy that comes from the sun uh, in the atmosphere uh, endlessly and that heating up the climate and, uh, and therefore um, putting our earth in peril. Myself as a, as a vineyard owner, I, uh, I'm watching some, some pretty uh, different seasons every year for, for my vineyard that uh, has led me to believe that I don't know how much longer we can expect to have uh, a great uh, vineyard in the location that I'm at because the climate is changing and um, it, it should put everyone, not just a farmer like myself, uh, should put everyone on alert that we need as quickly as possible to address this, this problem. You look at what is happening right now with uh, the coronavirus and by the time we could see it, by the time we could really touch the problem, by the time we had bodies uh, going into semi-trucks at hospitals in New York where we said, well, this thing is actually real. By the time we see uh, the massive scale of uh, problem the climate change will be for us, it'll be too late. And right now we can already see the signs and we already have plenty of science. Uh, this is like simple science. This is uh, learning about greenhouse gases in college is, is it's a 200 level class. This is not something that uh, we're talking about. You have to have a PhD to understand. It's not rocket science. This is very, very simple. Does the, the coronavirus quarantine affect, certainly it affects the immediacy of your reusable bottle platform, but are you still planning on going full bore in this after the quarantine's done? Well, two things. One is um, eternity is still fantastic possibility. Yeah, you got virus issues, you got, and there's workarounds. Um, second is the um, still that when you have this much change happen all at once, a lot of the older school industry become super irrelevant right now, and there are. Uh, new companies that innovate in these situations. There's a vacuum out there. You just got to figure out where it is. There's an underserved customer sitting at home right now waiting for a cocktail and a single glass of wine. <laughs> there is. There's a bunch of them, and it's not going away. It's not going away. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with plastic comparatively to, to most materials if it was being reused over and over again. And my, my cup is definitely designed for that. So... Um, I'm definitely strategizing how, when, when we are back into um, some uh, new normal, how uh, reusability in my Copa cup could be uh, attained. Um, we certainly know it can be in venues. It's a fantastic product for venues. And uh, certainly um, we're going to have hopefully a higher level of consciousness amongst all of us that we're all connected uh, within this entire planet after this experience of this virus and therefore the only solutions to uh, to save this planet from its own demise of climate change will also be in the same way that we we beat this virus which is we all have to work together we all have to give it a hundred percent not 90 not 95 and we all have to value the right things for us to be successful not just the things that we wished and hoped that we were going to have not the dreams not just the dreams. One of our first conversations, you were telling me that the, the America that you know, 
the American spirit, the American personality that you know is, is one where the, the rugged individual takes charge. If there's a problem, we stand up and do it. That's what you know. Over the last number of years, it seems like America has gone behind the progressive curve of what other nations are doing for environmental protection. And we're seeing now that we're also not the leader in our response to pandemics. So do you think this pandemic will help Americans understand that we need to take a better role in both healthcare and environmental care? That's my hope. Um, I think that we lack the kind of leadership uh, from either party that, that uh, is running our government to, to, um, to try to drive that, that type of aspiration uh, through America. When our first aspiration is 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 um, trying to make sure that we all still have some form of wealth that we had expected to have uh, over everything else, instead of trying to have uh, mom and dad and, and everyone in our country be safe first. Um, and as long as we continue uh, down this woeful way, I, I'm I'm very uh, skeptical that we'll get there. Um, hopefully, uh, we, we don't have to learn this lesson forever in the hardest of ways. Um, but if, if this were the generation, what they always call the greatest generation, the folks uh, from World War II and after during that period of time that really built this amazing country and had incredible values and also had uh, people who had lived through the Depression, too, that added uh, their understanding of, of saving and preserving and, and keeping and loving what you have. Um, then I would say that wouldn't be a problem at all. That was a group of people that um, went over there and, uh, and took these problems head on and uh, took them with strength and, um, and, uh, and was successful against uh, some of the darkest of evils. This virus is the same uh, challenge for us, and I don't see us running towards towards this problem uh, like first responders do. I, I don't see us running into the flames. I see us trying to duck and dodge, not even build a good fire line. I see uh, some people fighting the fire with everything they've got. I see their front lines being healthcare workers and others that uh, should be inspiring us all to be the same. Um, and then I see a great deal of us all saying, well, you know, I'm worried about um, my stock accounts. And um, so we're basing our success always against this thing uh, in dollars and cents and instead of um, we have no economy unless we have a safe place for people to shop. Uh, the, you, you remind me that the greatest generation are the people who have had hard times, experience hard times, overcome those hard times with a sense of conservation, a sense of family, and a sense of duty. The ability to stand up and say, this is a bad situation, and we have to sacrifice in order to overcome it. We have to really suffer through a depression and stand up against a common enemy for us to be a great generation. Maybe that's what we have in store with us with both climate change and 
global pandemics. Maybe we can stand up and be another great generation. And really all we're asked to do is sit on the couch. <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't ask anything more. It's like, here's your remote control, here's your couch. We'll deliver those groceries to your home. Um, just stay put. And for so many of us, that's very, very difficult to do. I think, I think business isn't supporting it at the level that they need to either. The, uh, the way to remain optimistic is, is to try to be as close to the ones that you love um, using video conferencing. Make yourself, force yourself to constantly be reaching out to others for yourself, but for them. How many times have you done a video call with someone and said, man, I feel so much better, or they say, thank you, I feel so much better. We all feel better when we're locked arm in arm fighting this thing. Um, be optimistic that you can control how you feel about this by battling this, not alone, but with others, that most of the population that's out there is sharing with you the same kind of of challenges and um, measure yourself not on uh, whether we end up succeeding as a as a country in battling this thing the way we should so far we're not right but someday we will um, measure your optimism and and your happiness based on how hard you fight measure your success around what you can control which is yourself wake up and go I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of the world turn that frickin' TV off, turn the news off, and um, focus on, you know what I can determine is how I'm going to experience it today, how I'm going to feel. Choose what you want to feel for the day. Say, I wanna feel these things today. Choose those things, prioritize those things, and embrace those, and that will create optimism for yourself, because you have control over that. Um, and, uh, and pray that the intelligence of our, our leaders uh, will grow uh, in leaps and bounds in shorter periods of time than so far they've shown that they will. Pray for that, especially this time of the year with Easter around. Uh, remember that your sacrifice is, is uh, not nearly as great as, as um, Christ's sacrifice or whether you're, you're a Christian uh, or not, the story is still super inspiring. Um, around principles, he was willing to sacrifice his, his life for the rest of us. And we should all uh, be so brave right now. Um, sit on your couch and watch TV, would you please? <laughs> We're not asking you to die on the cross here. If, if we aren't doing the other parts of this as a country, of fighting this virus head on by creating this kind of distancing. Um, we'll be out looking for another handout and um, in, in short time. So uh, I, I pray that again, we get, we get wiser quicker. Perfect, James Martin, thank you so much. Words of insight, words from the field. I didn't know about Copa de Vino. I'm not much of a wine drinker until meeting you, but that, that plastic cup is pretty sweet. I reuse the, the few cups that I have pretty regularly, one as, as uh, sippy cups and two as storage containers. Reuse is the better way. You have to be creative in, in what you reuse though. So I hope the, the best 
for your farm, for your employees, and that your vision of eternity really does pan out because I think it's a good model. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thank you.